This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live over at Joy620 or investinghope.com, Google Play, iTunes, even now Facebook. The podcasts are available on our Facebook page. So many places you can hear this show. We are grateful for your partnership, grateful for you listening to us. We have a number of things to cover today, some news all over the world concerning abortion uh, which unfortunately is uh, is something that we're going to be talking about every week because abortion is uh, in the news and it's uh, having a uh, drastic difference, making a drastic difference in the lives of so many. So we're going to cover it as we do every single week. And, and uh, you know, normally what I do is point us to some articles and blogs and then I discuss those things uh, as, as uh, kind of jumping off points and and this week, I'm looking at a blog over at Secular for Life. So Secular for Life is what it sounds like. They are secular folks. They're not Christian, uh, but they're pro-life. And uh, to some, that may seem a little odd. But the reality is, again, it's the same discussion we have here often, that even non-Christians, even secular folks can understand that life has value, that life begins at conception, and that life in the womb should be protected. And so they got a blog that, that really uh, is interesting, and I want to point to it, and then I'll, I'll discuss it from there. On September 7th, Miss Magazine published a piece by Carrie Baker titled, Media Repeat Junk Science Behind Abortion Ban Laws. Check the science. There is no heartbeat at six weeks. That's what the title of that article was. Baker's not really a heartbeat piece followed the same general format as the many others before it. Cite nothing but interviews and replace arguments with ambiguity. So, so as we, what we know is the Texas law and a number of different laws that have come out, uh, the, the narrative has shifted, right? So, so now what we've been calling a heartbeat forever, uh, now the, the abortion folks are saying, well, it's not really a heartbeat. It's not really a heartbeat, and now you're seeing even some doctors uh, write pieces saying it's not really a heartbeat, and we shouldn't get all bent out of shape about it and, and all of this. So in her piece, Baker explained that there is no fetus at six weeks, meaning at that stage we have an embryo, not a fetus. To back her claim, she linked to this embryology textbook uh, explaining embryonic versus fetal stages of pregnancy. What she appears to have missed, however, is that if you scroll down to the section, quote, development of the embryo, it states, listen to what this piece. Now, the, the writer of that article said it's not a baby. It's an embryo. It's not a fetus. There is no heartbeat. Then she linked to an article, and that article said this. <clears throat> the heart and major blood vessels begin to develop earlier by about day 16. The heart begins to pump fluid through blood vessels by day 20. And the first red blood cells appear the next day. In other words, Baker wrote a piece claiming it is junk science to say a six-week embryo has a heart or heartbeat. She then cited statements and interviews, but the only first-hand source that she linked directly contradicts her. So I came across her piece in this contradiction on September 21st, at which point I tweeted about it. This is the, the writer over at Secular for Life. I checked Twitter later to see if Baker had responded. She had. She blocked the Secular for Life account and removed the link to the textbook from her article. There was no note in the article explaining it had been edited. You can see the original piece linking to the textbook by using the Wayback Machine. The link was there on 9-9, 9-11, and 9-14, 
as of this writing on 9-22, it's gone. Baker is a professor at Smith College where she teaches courses on, among other things, feminist public writing. She also co-chairs the Miss Committee of Scholars, which encourages and trains scholars to write for the public. Given the inaccuracies and miseducation of her original article and more egregiously the uh, the way she removed a source that contradicted her conclusions, we can only hope Baker teaches high standards than she practices. So the reason I wanted to point that out is because we, we are living in a time where people are just trying to, uh, they're saying something is junk science and then they immediately link to an article of a textbook that's been in print for a long time saying, yeah, that's a heartbeat. So, so you have textbooks. Not not based in Christianity, not based in a biblical worldview. You have medical journals not based in Christianity, not based in biblical worldview. You have doctors not based in Christianity, not based in biblical worldview, saying it is a heartbeat. And then, because they're so upset about the Texas law or any other heartbeat law that comes down the pike, they're just going to change things. Oh, it's not a heartbeat. Well, well where did you find that? Well, I'm going to link you to a textbook where it says it's not a heartbeat. But in reality, when you go to that link, you see that they even say it's a heartbeat. You see how crazy all this is? And we're just supposed to act like it doesn't happen. But nobody's picking it up. No no major reporters are picking it up. No major journalists are looking into this. No major networks are looking into this. Because it hurts their narrative. And I feel like I'm a broken record. But this is what happened. So so we talked about it a couple weeks ago. The pro-life movement has to get creative in legislation. So they do that. And then the, the abortion folks go bonkers. Even though the abortion folks are getting creative in their legislation. We're going to be talking about that here in a second with what the, the Congress did, the House did just the other day. And, and so then then both sides are surprised that the other side is getting creative. The problem is... The pro-life side is seeking to save lives. And, and we're not putting forth junk science. The abortion side is changing their tune on everything. Oh, it's not a heartbeat. It's cardiac activity. Oh, it's not a fetus. It's an embryo. When the reality is, at conception, you have an individual, unique human being. Sure, it's small. Sure, it's going to take time to develop, but we all know what it is. We all know what it's going to be. We all know that's how we got our start. The only difference between me today and me and my mom at six weeks is size and proximity. Everything else is the same. You see, so it's, it's ridiculous to make an argument. That it's not a baby. When when my wife had a miscarriage years ago, after our first child was born, after Gavin was born, we had a miscarriage. No one came up to us, Christian or non-Christian, and said, oh, don't worry about it. It was just a blob of tissue. No one said that. That would be the coldest thing anyone could have said. No one said that to us. Now, there were some folks that didn't handle it very well in, in the way they were trying to care for us. But at no point did they say it wasn't a baby. Why? Because they knew it was. 
when people announce that they're pregnant on social media, no one's commenting, oh, yeah, it's not a baby. It's just a, you know, a blob. Oh, you, you think you heard the heartbeat? You actually just, that was just a cardiac activity. It's not really a heartbeat. No one's saying that to people. Because we all know what's happening. You see, but we live in a time where we see things from 30,000 feet. And so we're looking at this from a broad perspective instead of going, no, let's look at it intricately down low, individual to individual. Because if we allow ourselves to look at it individual to individual, then we're at a point of going, yeah, that's a baby. And we all know it. Everyone knows it. Everyone. And to say otherwise is ignorant. To say otherwise is flat out lying. It's like at some point it turns into something from a, from a blob to a person. Even though you'll find later when we're about to talk about what Congress did, they're calling for abortion all the way up to nine months. Well, Hold on. So are we saying it's not a human, it's not a baby until it's out of the womb? Are you really saying that? And then you're going to say that I'm anti-science? Like, are you really saying that? We are performing surgeries on babies in utero now, and but that's not a baby? We're giving pain medication before the surgery to a blob? Or to a baby. I'm confused. You see, these are the conversations that must happen. And they must be called out when folks flat out lie. Or when they flat out omit a link that proved them wrong. Oh, we're just going to erase that and act like it didn't happen. Look, life is precious. And if, if the, the last 18, 19, 20 months have showed us anything, it's at li- that life is precious. There are going to be Thanksgiving dinners this year with empty chairs because people died over the last year. There are going to be Christmas dinners with empty chairs because people died over the last year. There are small towns all across this country that have lost population because people died. And we have seen why life is precious. Yet we're okay as a society with roughly 3,000 abortions a day. Imagine if the cable news outlets ran a ticker at the bottom of the screen, showing how many lives are lost to abortion every single day. What that would do to our psyche. What that would do to our engagements with our neighbor. If it was right there every day for us to see. Now, of course, it won't be. But these are the things that we have to talk about. At the very least, we need to have honest dialogue. Honest dialogue doesn't mean we just omit sources from our writing because it disagrees with us. And we were uh, too ignorant enough to find out that it disagreed with us. 
Are we prepared to have honest dialogue about this or not? I hope we are. We should be. It's 2021. I mean, in a progressive world, are we not prepared to have the difficult conversations? One of the reasons why we won't have the conversations is because it makes us uncomfortable if we actually admitted what was happening. If we actually realized who it put us in company with as a country. If we actually realized that our president was calling for abortion up to nine months, our vice president's calling for the same. Our Congress is calling for the same. No one's got a problem with that. You see, this is why when they say, oh, what about rape, incest, life of the mother? This is why I don't let that argument even happen. We're not going to debate that because that's not your debate. That's a straw man. That's you trying to get the pro-life movement to compromise when all the pro-life movement has done since 1973 is compromise. But see, you're not calling for rape, incest, life of the mother exceptions. You're calling for abortion up to nine months for any reason, no matter what. That's a problem. That's a problem I can't get past. And so it's not good enough to say, well, well, you're not, you're not allowing any exceptions. What are you, a, a crazy person? When they willfully and knowingly and boldly argue for abortion up to nine months. When poll after poll after poll after poll shows that the American people don't agree with that. They don't want that. But yet they do it anyway. Why? Because it is the golden calf. I've made this argument multiple times on this show. And at some point we have to be willing to look in the mirror and go, no, it's not, it's not okay. It's not okay. And so when we come back, we'll look at a number of different topics, uh, one including what Congress did uh, just this past week. We'll be back. So as we have the conversation about abortion, the Washington Democrats, and look, I, I, you know, some people are like, oh, how are you getting partisan? I, I'm, I'm not getting partisan. This is the reality. Washington Democrats, minus one in the House, because no Republicans voted for it, are calling to codify abortion. So... Roe v. Wade happened in 1973, and there's been discussions and times of, of uh, Democrats saying, we just need to codify abortion, and that would just take care of everything. We need to pass a bill that allows for abortion. And so what happened on September 24th as a response to the Texas ban and, and other things that are occurring, under the leadership of Nancy Pelosi, a professed Catholic, this is what happened. So Democrats have been threatening for years now to codify Roe v. Wade, by which they appear to have meant enacting the Women's Health Protection Act, 
one of the most pro-abortion pieces of legislation Congress has ever considered. By a narrow vote, 218 to 211, House Democrats passed the bill uh, back on the 24th. The vote was nearly party line. Every Democrat, except for one, voted for the bill, and every Republican voted against it. It's been interesting to watch Democrats discuss this bill and struggle with its title, the Women's Health Protection Act. The women's rights movement of late has been engaged in a campaign to scrub the word woman from its vocabulary out of deference to the transgender activist movement. Pregnant women has become birthing people and female nouns are replaced with gender neutral ones so as not to offend those who insist that men too can become pregnant. This is where we are. This is progress, folks, that now men can become Pregnant. Earlier this week, the ACLU airbrushed the word woman out of a quote from Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, replacing it with the politically correct people. One has to imagine that had the Women's Health Protection Act first been introduced this year, Democrats would have been at pains to title it something safer and far less snappy, like the People's Health Protection Act or the Protecting Health for Birthing Persons Act. After delaying the effort to pass the bill for several years, Democrats seized on the uproar over the Texas Heartbeat Act to turn their attention back to Roe. Perhaps even to preempt the possibility that the court might overturn its abortion jurisprudence in the upcoming Dobbs versus Jackson Women Health Organization. If enacted, the Women's Health Protection Act would invalidate nearly every state provision in the entire country that limits abortion in any way, including those that have been permitted to stand under the regime created and sustained by Roe, Doe v. Bolton and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. The Women's Health Protection Act would strike down any state abortion law that isn't applied to a medically comparable procedure, which assumes that abortion itself is a medical procedure. Of course, it's not. The legislation defers to abortionists as to what constitutes a medically comparable procedure. Among the existing state policies that would invalidate if the uh, Women's Health Protection Act becomes law, informed consent laws, bans on sex-selective and disability-based abortions, 24-hour waiting periods, and laws to protect the health and safety of women. Most appalling, the Women's Health Protection Act would override state restrictions on abortion after the unborn child is old enough to survive outside the womb, requiring only a single abortionist to certify that a woman's health necessitates a late-term abortion. As our own John McCormick has reported over at the National Review, the bill, quote, explicitly instructs the courts to liberally interpret the legislation and doesn't distinguish between physical and mental health. In short, not only does the bill codify Roe, as Democrats promised, but it takes Roe several steps further, refusing to allow the American people to regulate abortion at even the outermost edges via state law. The Women's Health Protection Act has faced plenty of criticism, including from San Francisco's Catholic Archbishop, who described it as nothing short of child sacrifice. In response, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who promised to bring the bill up for a vote in response to the Texas Heartbeat Act, brandished her Catholic credentials. She said this, I'm Catholic. I come from a pro-life family, not active in that regard, different in their view of a woman's right to choose. Listen to that, those political gymnastics. I come from a pro-life family, but that doesn't mean we don't believe that a woman has the right to choose. Hey, guess what? You're not pro-life. Period. She said this, I believe that God has given us a free will to honor our responsibilities, Pelosi said, adding, for us, having a child was a complete and total blessing, which we enjoy every day of our lives. But it's not our business how other people choose the size and timing of their family. Listen to that nonsense. A government official, a progressive one at that, 
saying it's not up to me to determine what another person wants to do. No, that is literally what you're supposed to do. That's what laws are for. We put on seatbelts because the government has determined that we are to wear them. We've outlawed advertisements for smoking cigarettes because the government has decided that you can't make that choice. We've outlawed murder because the government says you can't murder someone else. We've outlawed stealing because the government says you can't go and steal from a neighbor. I mean, what are we doing? It it boggles my mind that they are able to say these things and they're not pressed on them. No one presses them. Why? Because the ones that are supposed to press them are politically motivated as well. They're pro-abortion. And so the last thing they're going to do is call Nancy Pelosi to the carpet. The article goes further. But of course, the archbishop, like virtually every opponent of the bill, has never indicated that Catholics should control how other people choose the size and timing of their family. Rather, they believe that it's unacceptable to regulate the size of one family by killing an unborn human. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is yet to say whether he'll bring the bill up for vote, but if he does, it's unlikely to pass given the close split in the Senate. And that's what I was going to say. It's not going to pass in the Senate. It won't. They don't have the votes to do that. This is a, a political ploy. The House knows they don't have the votes to do this. This is this is a campaign tactic. This is to show all the pro, all the, the pro-abortionist folks that they're on board even though they know they're not going to get it passed in the Senate. It's the same thing Republicans have done on a number of different topics when they knew it couldn't pass the Senate or when they knew it couldn't pass the House or when they knew that the president wouldn't sign it. It's a ploy. It's a ploy to get us riled up, and, and they do a good job. It certainly got me riled up. But what we have to do is when they do these things, we have to call them out on it. Because what this bill does is is not just says, hey, at the earliest stages, we don't believe it's a, a human yet. You can abort that. Now, I would disagree with that, but at least they would they would be making a an argument. Now, what this bill does is says, yeah, no, at any point in time, you can have an abortion, period. Any point in time during the pregnancy. And you know what? The states that have that have passed laws to restrict it, we're going to we're going to overstep and we're going to we're going to correct those. And, and what this bill does as well, that they call women's empowerment and they call the Women's Health Protection Act. What this bill does as well is says, hey, if you pass the law that outlawed abortion for Down syndrome, which we're going to talk about here in a second, if you pass that law in a state, it doesn't matter. We're going to overtake that. So if a family wants to have an abortion based solely on the fact that their baby has Down syndrome, we're going to promote that and we want that to be OK. If, if a state passed a law that says you cannot have an abortion based on the sex or gender of the baby, well, we're going to overstep. We're going we're gonna to change that so that if you wanted a boy but you are pregnant with a girl, you can abort the girl. Or if you wanted a girl but you're pregnant with a boy, you can abort the boy and you can just try again until you get, get what you want. That's what this bill's calling for. What are we doing? What are we doing? They, they want to talk about race. And racist issues? What if somebody's pregnant and, and it could be a biracial baby and they don't want that? So we're going to abort based solely on that. 
You okay with that? That doesn't bother you. You're okay with, well, I wanted a boy, but this is a girl, so I'm going to get rid of the girl. You're okay with that. That doesn't bother you? That doesn't make you uncomfortable. Aborting specifically for Down syndrome, that doesn't bother you. Doesn't make you uncomfortable? Look, again, this bill's not going to pass in the Senate. But but it's something that we have to pay attention to because ultimately this is what they want to do. This is the agenda that they're trying to push. Even though the vast majority of the populace don't want it to happen. Even though the vast majority of doctors aren't performing abortions, they would have you believe everybody in this country wants this. And I would tell you less than 20% of people would want this. 80-something percent of doctors do not provide abortions. You would never know that watching the news or following Twitter or watching what Washington does. We'll talk more when we come back. Do you feel the world is so as the conversation continues, we, we want to look at uh, something that happened uh, over in, in London and... And the reason I want to look at this is because this is where we, this is what progress to some folks, this is what progress looks like. So a woman with Down Down syndrome lost a court challenge against the British government Thursday over a law allowing the abortion up until birth of a fetus with Down syndrome. Heidi Crowder, 26, and two others took the Department of Health and Social Care to court, arguing that part of the Abortion Act is discriminatory and violates the European Convention on human rights. Abortions in England, Wales, and Scotland are allowed up to 24 weeks of pregnancy. But the law states that terminations can be allowed up until birth if there's, quote, a substantial risk that if the child were born, it would suffer from such physical or mental abnormalities as to be seriously handicapped, end quote. Crowder, who lives independently and recently got married, has said that she found the legislation offensive and disrespectful. She says she wanted to change the law to challenge people's perception of Down syndrome. Two senior judges dismissed the case Thursday after a two-day hearing, concluding that the legislation isn't unlawful and that it aims to strike a balance between the rights of the unborn child and that of women. What? I'm going to stop there. What if the unborn child is a woman? You see, they don't wrestle with that. When we talk about women's rights or, or men's rights or anybody's rights, we don't factor in that unborn child and their rights. It is, it is baffling to me that we just go, well, they don't have a say in the matter. Who's going to speak for them? There is no more vulnerable than an unborn child. Period. Judges, judges Rabner and, uh, Rabner Singh and Natalie Levin said the case gave rise to strong feelings and differences over ethical and religious views, but the court must not enter into such controversies and rule only in accordance with the law. That's a cop out. That is Pontius Pilate washing his hands and saying, this isn't a meme. Look, this is up to y'all. Judges overstep every single day. And this isn't about religion. This is, this is certainly about ethics. But it's about the uh, hypocrisy of saying that we're fighting for human rights while at the same time ending the life of a human. 
it's hypocrisy. The evidence before the court powerfully shows that there will be some families who positively wish to have a child, even knowing that it will be born with severe disabilities. But the evidence is also clear that not every family will react in that way, they said, and many families may not be able to provide a disabled child with a supportive environment. They go further. The the evidence is also clear that although specific developments have improved and, and earlier identification may be feasible, There are still conditions which will only be identified late in a pregnancy after 24 weeks, the judges added. Crowder brought the case with Marie uh, Lee Wilson, 33, who has a son with Down syndrome and an unidentified child with the condition. She says she plans to appeal the ruling. The fight is not over, Crowder said, outside the Royal Courts of Justice in Central London, surrounded by supporters. We face discrimination every day in schools, in the workplace, and in society. Thanks to the verdict, the judges have upheld discrimination in the womb, too. End quote. That is maybe the saddest statement I've ever heard. Here you have a young lady that has Down syndrome that's living on her own independently, just got married. And this is what she is being told by the judge. Your life doesn't matter. People like you and, and, and that have the issues that you have, they don't matter. We should be able to end their life. People that have your condition should have their life ended in the womb. Wouldn't that be better? That is what the judges are saying. That's what the law is saying. They're looking her in her face and telling her that. How cold. You want to talk about human rights issues. That we would look somebody in the face that has Down syndrome and say, yeah, you got to live, but... We don't need more of your kind. That's what they're saying. And then to hear her say, this is what she's saying. I face discrimination every day in school, in the workplace, and in society. And thanks to this verdict, the judges have now upheld discrimination in the womb as well. Let that sit. Oh, it's not it's not only that I'm going to have to face it when I go to school, that I'm going to face it at the grocery store or on the subway. It's it's not it's not only that I'm going to have to face it when I'm out in society or when I'm trying to get a job or when I'm trying to rent a home or buy a home or open a bank account. Oh, now I'm going to have to face the discrimination in the womb as well. What have we become? In the face of progress, we are literally wiping people out. It's just like a couple years ago, there was an article that said, oh, Iceland has completely ended Down syndrome. Then you look further in the article, they didn't end it. They aborted it out. By ending it, they just mean that, hey, every family's aborting a kid that has Down syndrome, so we're ending it. Unbelievable. A lawyer from the firm representing the three claimants called the judgment disappointing and out of step with modern attitudes to disability. By allowing babies with Down syndrome to be aborted up to birth, unlike neurotypical babies, the law sends a powerful message that the lives of people with Down syndrome are of lesser value. That's spot on. Spot on. That's exactly what the law is saying. That's exactly what the judges are saying. And for judges to go, yeah, we we know this is... uh, a tough case, and we know that there's some ethical issues here and religious issue here, but we're not that's not our job to step into that. Then what is your job? What is your job? 
That's why when people make the argument rape incest, rape or incest, there are there are men and women walking the walking the planet right now that were conceived out of rape or incest. Are you going to look at them and tell them that their life isn't valuable? That they should have been aborted? They shouldn't have had a chance to live? We going to do that? You know, for years, our country told a segment of the population they were lesser than. In, in one case, we, we told them they were three-fifths. You know, for a time in our country, we told certain people they couldn't ride in a certain part of the bus or they couldn't drink out of certain water fountains or they couldn't go to certain restaurants or they couldn't play sports or they couldn't go to this college or they couldn't go to that college or they couldn't go to that high school. Now, our country would say we are progressive and we believe in the rights of all and we're fighting for equality and equitable turnouts and we're doing everything we can. We, we're changing pronouns and we're putting pronouns in our emails and we're calling women now people because men can have babies too and we're doing all these things and we're going to fight racism and we're going to fight all of this and, and yet we're looking at people with Down syndrome and saying you're lesser than and we should be able to abort you. And we're okay with that. You have a disability and it would be better for you not to live. We're okay with that. As a society. Look, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But I am sick of politicians and of judges refusing to do the hard thing. I am sick of politicians getting up on their political stump and making arguments and then being unwilling to stand for those that need us to stand for them. Oh, they'll campaign on it. They'll raise money on it. They'll, they'll look at the camera with a, with a fierce eyebrow and they'll, they'll argue and they'll, they'll say they're standing and they'll say they're going to make changes. They do nothing. Judges will claim that, you know, ethics and immorality and religion, that's, that's not to us. Folks, this isn't about ethics, religious, or, or morality. This is about fellow human beings given an opportunity to live. That's what this is about. And, and these judges look this young lady in the face that has Down syndrome, that is living a productive life, that is doing everything she can. And all she is saying is, I don't want to be discriminated against and I don't want people like me to be discriminated against anymore. And what these judges said is, not only will we discriminate against you in schools, not only will we discriminate against you in our society, but we're going to discriminate against you in the womb all the way up to birth. And the AP wrote about it and it'll be forgotten about. Cable news aren't going to reach out to this young lady and interview her. They're not going to seek ways to, to fight for the vulnerable. They're not going to go and interview families that have, have children that, that are facing Down syndrome and, and talk about how loving they've made their home and how much of a blessing they are. They're not going to interview those people because when they interview those people, it, it, it hurts their narrative. We can't claim 
to be progressive as a society, as a country, as a world, and then this crap happened. And you can't claim to have the moral high ground with me when you're okay with this. You can't claim that you're for equality and equitable outcomes and then be okay with this. It doesn't work. You see, your argument is is lost in looking in this young lady's face and going, you're lesser than, because that's what you're telling her. You're telling her she's lesser than. She's not valuable. She'd be better off dead. That is what you're saying with these laws. We must be better. We'll be back. So as we finish up today, I do want to point you to a couple things. First off, I want to say, again, I, I hope today has been fruitful. I hope some of these uh, discussions are now on your radar if they weren't beforehand. Uh, you know, I try not to be a, a bearer of bad news every week, but, but we need to be aware of the things that are happening in this country, around the globe, when it comes to abortion. And we need to stand for the vulnerable. We need to stand up for them, and we need to do that in a number of ways. But, uh, but part of that is, is, is listening and knowing what's going on. And, and so hopefully uh, that has helped you this week. I do want to point you to uh, October 4th. October 4th is the Hope Challenge Golf Tournament. Uh, it's going to be a great day. Join us uh, at Gettys View Country Club for the annual Hope Challenge Golf Tournament. It's four-person adult teams, shotgun start, and it's a scramble. Eight o'clock, breakfast and check-in starts at 8 a.m. 8.30, we will start uh, lunch and prize announcements to follow the tournament. Fees and mulligan packages. Uh, individual player is $200. Team of four, $750. Basic mulligan package, $35. Premium mulligan package, $100 you can register over at investinghope.com and uh we would appreciate that investinghope.com click on the get involved tab and then click on events and you can learn about it there. Uh we have a lot of sponsorships that are going to be helping us uh make this a reality and uh, you can learn all about them at investinghope.com and we are grateful for our partnerships. We hope to see you out there. It's going to be a great time. Some of the prizes uh, we haven't mentioned all of them. You're going to hear them first right here. Uh, we have some tickets to Tennessee Titans versus the Saints, Tennessee Titans versus Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, we have tickets to UT football. Uh, we have a number of things that are going to be uh, worth you coming out. So if you want to sign up, go to investinghope.com. We'd love to have you golfing with us. It's going to be a great day. The course is beautiful. Uh, we're right here early fall. The weather should be perfect. Uh, and man, it's just going to be a, a great time. We have, we'll have, uh, Chick-fil-A for breakfast. We'll have home, home cooked, uh, smoked barbecue for lunch from a partner and supporter of Hope. Uh, we're looking forward to that. And then the giveaways. And also it's just a great time to partner with us and to support the work that we're doing and allow us to serve more patients in the Knoxville community. And so again, investinghope.com, click on the get involved tab. And then click on golf and you can join us on Monday, October 4th. It'll be here shortly, uh, less than a week away. And so, uh, we hope to see you out there, uh, with us. So as we, as we finish up again, just be aware of the things that are happening in our society around our globe when it comes to abortion. Be aware of these arguments. Be aware when judges say, look, it's not our place to do this. Or a politician says, it's not our place. Or, or Nancy Pelosi says, look, I'm, I'm from a pro-life family, but we don't believe we have the right to tell anyone how they are to choose. Look, those are all cop-outs. 
standing up for the good things are hard. Washing your hands of it, as Pontius Pilate did when Jesus was crucified, is a cop-out. Telling a woman, I support whatever decision you make when it comes to abortion, is a cop-out. Being unwilling to stand for the most vulnerable is the easy way out. And Christians, we are called to do the hard things. We're real good at arguing on social media. We're real good of, of, of making uh, arguments on this or that topic. But when it comes to abortion, we have to stand up. And when it comes to our neighbors and protecting our neighbors in the womb, we have to stand up. And so if that means electing people that are willing to do that, then yes, let's do that. If that means putting a sticker on your car, then let's do that. If that means walking in a march for life, then let's do that. If that means adopting and fostering, then let's do that. If that means loving our neighbor well, then let's do that. If that means a family, a, a friend or uh, a family member gets pregnant and, and they find out that their babies have uh, disabilities or their baby has Down syndrome, are we prepared to rally around them? Let's do that. We can sit and wait for Washington to get their stuff sorted out, or we can be the church and step up and do these things. And if you're waiting for Washington to get things sorted out, guess what, folks? You're going to be waiting for a long time. A very, very, very long time. So let's love our neighbor well. And understand that loving our neighbor includes those in the womb. Are we prepared to do that? It's difficult. I get it. It's hard and and these discussions get us angry and frustrated. But is it worth it or not? And I would tell you that it is. And if you want to help do that, go to investinghope.com and you can help us do that. Help us love these women in this city. Help us love these babies in this city. And we thank you for doing that. We'll talk to you next week.